Hello, and welcome back to A Bite Out of Bethel, where food is not just a way of gaining nourishment, but a way of sharing culture, memories, and love. Today's guest is Dennis Kobos, a contract manager for LKSD. He'll be joined by his wife, Cecilia Kobos, for an immersive cooking experience. I'm glad I can have you here today. I'm glad we were able to talk. Good. If I can ask, what's your ethnicity? Uh, I am Tejano. I'm Mexican-American born in the United States, in Texas. And please describe your family and the place you grew up. I grew up in Port Lavaca, Texas, which is like halfway between Corpus Christi and Houston. It's on the coast, so we had a lot of fish, a lot of shrimp growing up. An older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. I am the middle boy. So there's four people in our family. And my dad was a welder, and my mom was a housewife most of her life until she got older and started working. And she had a daycare for the last, I think, 20 years of her life. And who taught you how to make your dish? That's a good question. Nobody really. You know, one of the common themes I've been hearing in your uh, podcast is everyone started cooking when they moved to Bethel. Yeah. So that's kind of what happened here is like, um, I remember the first week I was in Bethel, I ordered some enchiladas from, from one of the restaurants here, and it came with a fortune cookie. So right then I thought, you know what? I'm probably going to have to start cooking this food myself. So that's when it all started. Oh, wow. Okay. And... Did you decide that you were going to start using recipes that maybe your family made at home, or you just like, I just need? No, I just, I kind of played some of it by ear. Um, that is a good question. You know, when I got married, uh, my wife came up here, I mean, excuse me, my mother came up here to help us with the baby, and she wrote me some recipes. I don't use them, but she wrote them down for me, and she put a little letter with it and everything, so it's interesting, it's kind of vague, but she did write me some recipes she wanted me to use, but... Um, yeah, it's more sentimental than anything. I, I, a lot of times I just go to the internet and I look for something. The recipe I'm going to use today is from the internet. Okay. And growing up, did you have a hand in the cooking? Not really. That's another really good question. I was talking to my wife about that. In my family, none of the men cooked. However, my older brother and younger brother cooked competitively. My nephew is a chef. So even though the, there was no actual you know, training or participation during, during, while growing up, we have several cooks, in, several very good cooks in the family. I'm not one of them, but my, my brothers, like, they cook, you know, barbecuing is a sport in Texas. Mm -hmm. So they compete regularly. And my nephew is training at a steak restaurant in Dallas right now. So he's, he's the person training the cooks how to cook. No, no one taught me. I just kind of taught myself. But again, for some reason, a lot of the males in my family have drifted towards that profession or to that learning how to do those type of things. Okay. And do you have any memories about your mom or your parents cooking? We didn't participate in the process. My mom would do all the cooking. My mom would cook, eat while she cooked. So quite often when she cooked for the kids or for the, her husband, she didn't sit down and actually eat with us. And we were, she was too busy like serving us. So it was always the husband and then the kids sitting around the table. And as we got older, and my mom used to take another relatives to live with us, we actually had to eat in shifts at one time. You know, so if you didn't eat in the first shift, you didn't eat at all. So you know, you were in that second shift of like, you know, I get the table after you guys get out, you, your meal is significantly smaller. Is that because of the amount of kids or the amount of time that you guys have? Both, probably. I mean, my, I, at one time we had 14 people living in a two-bedroom house. Okay. And my mom would take in cousins and people who needed help. And so she was much that way in, in the process she would cook for them. But we had a four-seated uh, uh, table. So we couldn't all sit down. So we would eat in shifts. And I remember I was, quite often I was on that second shift and my, food, my plate was a lot smaller. And what foods did you eat growing up? 
it was pretty much the same thing. Rice, always a staple. Uh, some type of legume or bean. And it was always some type of meat dish. Usually like the Scott and Lisa, they're gonna make some type of meat and gravy. That's the thing we ate three or four times a week. And I know that different parts of Mexico, different parts of like Texas eat different mm-hmm. cultured foods. Did you find that you ate more like Americanized food? Uh, that's a really interesting question too. You know, Mexican food really isn't spicy. Tex-Mex food is spicy. I think by definition, Tex-Mex or Mexican food as we perceive it is Americanized. You know, Taco Bell is not traditional Mexican food at all, but people will say, hey, it's great Mexican food. And now that you're here, who primarily cooks the food in your household? <laughs> it's, it depends. There's some things that I do very well. And there's some things my wife does very well. We were just talking about that. I, I think um, you know, some of her dishes from her country, she can do really well. But like, you know, like uh, I make most of the Mexican food. I'll make the enchiladas, or I make I'll make some pozole, or, or menudo, or carne guisada, or things like that, or migas. But you know, it's it's just determines what kind of, what kind of food we want to eat for the day. I like to cook rice, Hispanic rice, and we can do different way. We can add beans, black beans. There is another we call gandules. It's like peas. She grills meat different than I do, and it tastes pretty usually different and better. She puts different spices. She has like desserts that, that I'm not accustomed to. She'll make a dessert out of pinto beans that she eats every year. We have uh, desserts with uh, beans. We add beans. and It sounds weird. Beans and coconut milk and all the kind of stuff. Uh, uh, but it's pretty good. Cecilia, what is your um, heritage, if I can ask as well? I'm from Dominican Republic. This is in the Caribbean, it's an island. Uh, it's close to Haiti, and our food is, can be, it's different, it can be spicy. The basic traditional food is rice and beans, and, and, and carne guisada. And her country, they call it la bandera. The flag was rice, beans, and meat. So and it's, avocados on the side. You said both of you prepare foods now that you're living together. Right. How do you incorporate Alaskan foods into your meal? I know you talked about using moose in mm. carne asada, but how mm. else do you incorporate? Well, we like salmon a lot. So we ha- this summer we didn't get any salmon. We usually we eat a lot of fish usually during the summer. We'll go- and we get 10 or 12 fish for the summer. That'll last us you know, most of the year. But we like that a lot. And I'll use the moose more like th- in my food. Like I'll make tacos out of it or I'll make enchiladas out of the ground beef or something like that, or I'll make pozole out of the moose meat. I put my season, Caribbean seasoning, into the, the moose meat. I put a lot of oregon, a lot of garlic, and salt, and makes the meat taste more tender. If you could recommend another dish from your culture, both of you, what would it be? I would recommend from my culture, we have uh, uh, the dish they call sancocho. It's like a stew. It's like a soup. Uh, it's a stew or soup, yeah? Yes. And it's pretty good. You put uh, in there, you put potatoes. And it's turned out pretty good. It's like a stew. And it's good for the cold season. Well, for here, because it's cold all the time. But we eat that all the time over there, uh, even in... 89 degrees, 90 degrees, we eat those things. And for me, um, there's two things that we make a lot, three things we make a lot around here. Carne asada, enchiladas, and pozole. Um, 
I make a lot of enchiladas for people. Like, we give our neighbors some enchiladas, or anytime I want to do something nice for somebody, I make them a, a pan of enchiladas and I bring it. So that would probably be my first one. But I've been making this soup called pozole, and it comes in different versions. There's a green one, there's a red one, and a white one. I make green pozole a lot. I would recommend that to people. They would probably like it up here. Uh, so that'd be one of the ones. That and that's usually hominy, chicken or pork, and a green sauce. Uh, green broth or chicken broth. It's really, really good. So that's what I would recommend. I would try to make for other people if they want. Oh yeah, Cecilia makes great tamales. For the holidays. She made, she made like five dozen just... But I made tamales with chicken and beef, but he wanted he wanted me to make tamales without moose meat. I haven't tried yet. They might be good. Yeah, you know, I definitely want to make moose tamales just to see if we can do it. I think it's doable. And how do you think that cooking has affected your relationship, either with each other or watching your mom grow up and cook? Or you know, when we first got married. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. She she lived she lived with her folks her entire life. Her cooking skills were were needed work a little bit, but she's become a lot better cooker. One of the things we did when we were married every Sunday we'd go look at YouTube and find a recipe that we wanted to cook, and then we would make it together. And then we did the, we did that for a long time. In fact, when I married her, I said I promise I will make you breakfast every weekend, and I did that for a really long time up until I think last year I stopped doing it. I don't do it as much. <laughs> But I I would make breakfast every weekend for her for the first nine years of her marriage. And then this past year, it hasn't been as consistent, but it's good. I think it brings us together. We talk a lot about food. We argue a lot about food. You know? If he likes too spicy, I, I didn't like it spicy at the beginning, but now I can handle it. I can eat mild spicy food. At the beginning of the marriage, I told him, don't worry, I cook, I promise, I cook better than my mom. <laughs> it wasn't true. No, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> but she. Yeah. My mom cooks all the time. I never. She never let me cook. Mm -hmm. So I really read on my own when I can't. When I move up here and I calling my mom over the phone. Can you tell her how to cook rice? My first rice was so crunchy. Yeah, it was crunchy rice. But that was part of the learning. I didn't really start cooking a lot till I came up here. I cooked in Texas, but it was a lot easier just to go out to eat there. I was living in Austin, and there was a restaurant across the street. But when I came up here, and if I wanted foods that I was accustomed to, that I had while growing up, I had to make them myself. So I had to learn how to do that. As far as the family, I don't know if I can say that cooking brought the family together, but it's, it's really interesting how like a lot of the males in my family, all the males in my family, are just, they gravitate towards cooking. It definitely is one of the things that they can all talk about during the weekends. You know, hey, did you do this? Have you, have you tried this spice? Have you tried it this way? Uh, um, it, it, it bonds, it's not necessarily over meal, meal time, but just in subject matter, they can talk about it. I mean, even, they, they even asked me, he says, we know you're doing this, you're different. What do you cook? Because I don't barbecue that often. Mm -hmm. But they know they ask me for sauces and they ask me for things that I cook a lot, like pozole and stuff like that. Um, so I, if anything, it's given us a round table to, to kind of just communicate about cooking. And I think out of that, maybe bond a little bit more. And how do you think community and food fit together? My job before I moved to Delta was I, worked, I did social services and we worked in a lot of communities. If you wanted people to come to your meeting, you had to provide food. Of course. It goes back to the hunter-gatherer hope thing, you know. We're able to feed ourselves better, protect ourselves better if we do this as a group. And I think cooking falls in there. We can all bring our food to the table and we all share this. We'll all have better meals and we'll, we'll, again, we'll become stronger as a result of it. Not necessarily cooking together, but you know, again, it provides a mechanism for a way to like bond. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share in general about the carne asada, about 
Pozole? (laughs) (laughs) Spices? Anything? It's really interesting, you know, because Cecilia and I were talking about this whole thing. This type of food that we're making, I think a lot of the food that you talk about on your your podcast, it's about food you're familiar with. Talking for my culture, we don't buy expensive cuts of meat. And like, like a lot of people around here, we use every part of the animal. We eat, like, fajita meat at one time was considered low-grade meat. And the, peop- the butchers used to throw it away. But the Latino community, the Mexican community, started getting that meat because they knew it was cheap. And they could get it really quick. So they started using that and learning how to cook with that. So the, these foods that we're making, there's a socioeconomic you know, aspect to it. It's cheap. It's readily available. It doesn't cost a lot of money. So, of course, we're going to eat this more. And I think these recipes that we, we make grew up using were a result of that, you know. Carne guisada, you know, I think one of the reasons I'm using moose meat because I want to demonstrate the fact that, you know, certain stuff you're not going to be able to get up here, so you have to adapt your recipes and your way of cooking to wherever you live. You know, and that's definitely what's happening in Bethel. You know, I have, I have a freezer full of moose. I can't just let it sit there. I have to somehow make it, you know, to what I want to eat. And in terms of cooking, how do your two cultures, like, merge? Do you have any... Uh, dishes that you've created together out of like DR and Tex-Mex or like anything? Probably rice. It's probably, you know, we mm-hmm. both we both put our, our, our spin on it and we do it together. Um, yeah, rice and, and the fry food, the platings, you know, like, she, she introduces different spices. Like, you know, she puts adobo in her fried chicken, which is nothing not, nothing I would have thought of, but it does change the flavor. It's a better flavor. And she brings a new set of uh, spice palettes to the whole yeah. process. So I'm cooking this right now. It, it really doesn't take that long. The hard part is just waiting, because you have to cook it long enough to where the meat becomes tender. So it'll cook stewing in the pot for like two hours, maybe. Ganagisa is actually would have heard, and correct me if I'm wrong to say that, it's, it's actually a Caribbean dish that was adapted by, by other Latin countries. I'm doing the more Mexican one. It's more, it's more just meat and gravy with some onions, maybe. There is another dish uh, we cook back home for, for, for the holidays. We have those that are like, uh, they call empanada. <gasps> are they like pastelitos? Uh, uh, pastelitos? Yes. yes. Like with the chicken and raisins? Yes. Ah! <laughs> yes, we do for the holiday, the, but no. you know what, the culture between the language and the, because at the beginning, I was talking about pastelitos here in Bethel. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh, yeah. Who is pastelito? <laughs> When we got married, my Spanish was really bad. It's still really bad. So she's talking about pastelito. Who's this guy pastelito you're talking about? And she was actually talking about tamales or what she calls, you know, pastelito. That was so funny. But they're pretty good. They turn up pretty good. You make the dough and after that you just mm-hmm. cook your chicken from that and fry it. Here in Buffalo, we don't find those ingredients for it's tamales. Uh, they blend the green platings and you put, uh, it's a yellow squash. Mm-hmm. They put that, they put like a little milk and uh, they season it pretty good. They make masa from it. They split the masa and you, you can put chicken or beef and, yeah. and then they do fold it like a tamale, you boil them. It's essentially a tamale but different. They make it di- differently with bananas instead of corn husk. Mm-hmm. And then they use, instead of using masa or corn flour, they use uh, plantains or y- a yucca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can't wait. I'm going home for for the holidays, and I can't wait for all this yummy food from back home. Mm. Tamale season. <laughs> you know, it is tamale season. You're right. Gabby yeah. here makes tamales with her roommate every right. every year. Yeah. I just feel like I'm surrounded by so many different. We have Colombia. We have DR. We have Tex Mex. I wow. You know, one of the things about food is that every culture has something that that 
another culture. As an example, we're talking tamales. We, every culture has some type of meat surrounded by some type of grain dish. You know, you have tacos, you have you know pastelito, you have you know a turnover. These are all the same things. It's just it's all you know some type of filling wrapped around some bread thing. I think Akram was saying, oh, we had rice and some type of meat dish with a. So I, I don't know what bread she said. You know, the same thing here. We had rice, we had beans, we had tortillas. It's, just, it's the same basis. It's just a different spice palette. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, these are all things we share here. And you know, even even here, even though you may not see it out, outright, but you see like stews and soups and things. Everyone that has a version of it. Okay. I feel like soup is so, so, so common. So yeah. universal in different ways. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for talking to me today. As you make this, it smells delicious and it sounds good to the ear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, stay, man. Stay and eat. <laughs> oh, well, come back and eat. One of the two. Whatever you want to do. This has been a bite out of Bethel. Thanks for listening. Let's eat.